What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy Chance coming in today. How are y'all doing on this wonderful morning, midday, or just your evening commute? Sorry about not having a podcast for uh, this last week. I was in the middle of a transition from moving to San Antonio to San Marcos. It has been very fun, very interesting, and I'd like to talk all about it with my special guest I have today. My special guest is Mr. Gray. Now, Gray is the handsomest, most intelligent gentleman that I have come upon in That's the no San Marcos area. Bit of a oh. number statement, Chance. <laughs> what a sweetheart. What a sweetheart. So, Gray, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm Gray, and um, I'm currently a finance major here at Texas State University. I'm a junior, and I am looking forward to being finished with school now that it has just started. <laughs> yeah, you're just... You're you're ready to go and like start school. And you're like, oh, I'm so excited to see what it has exactly. to offer. And then right as it starts up, you're like, ah, God, when is this gonna fucking end? <laughs> it's like, well, I have to adjust everything and get ready for this to occur now because there's this certain gap in my week now, and it takes up all of my time. So you know, the joys of being a student. And if you like, granted, you have classes that are midday. Mm-hmm. If you have a job, you either have to work super early in the morning mm-hmm. or super late at night. Oh, you see, I got it, I got it figured out because I have only Tuesday, Thursday classes, so I get to work all the other days. See, that's where I messed up. <laughs> I signed up for my classes too late. Yep. They did not have <clears throat> options for me to compress all of mine on two days because yep. usually I would do Monday, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I have Monday through Thursday, one class for three days and two classes for one day. Ooh, that's a bummer because you don't want to go to school those other days. Yeah. Uh, I get that. That's really frustrating. That's I got to jump on it in that early registration period. Oh, yeah. You're good. Well, that's the thing, though, is that I kind of enjoy going for about four days a week because it spaces everything out. It's fair. It's like I only have one class to show up for on three days out of that week. That's true because I have a pretty brutal... 8 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. schedule, and it's just like, there's no breaks, there's no lunch, it's just like, I gotta eat this sandwich on my way to the next class, yeah, that doesn't work out, but at least I get a chance to work with as many hours as possible. Yeah, but I mean, okay, if you were to do, I feel like, how many classes do you have? I have five. Okay, (laughs) so if you were to, I mean, if you were to compress all of that into morning classes, for Monday through Thursday, so you split it up like three on one day, two on the other. Yeah. And you would only probably go to school till about eleven o'clock to noon. Yeah. And then you work from you could work from like noon to six or seven. It's not a bad point. I might look into that. Because then, okay, you are having to force yourself to literally like starve for because what is that? You said nine to five or eight to five? Eight to eight to three thirty. Okay, so eight to three thirty. Yeah. That's, I have to eat that sandwich in a hurry. <laughs> and, and that's what's really great about protein shakes, is you you this are making true. you are making your uh, breakfast, and you can take lunch with you in a little Tupperware, but you're having those shakes in between those medial classes. That's true, or in those classes, for sure, because you can always mix it up, grab some water, shake it up, and then you have yourself a meal. It's not a bad point. But again, you have to have the bottle, the powder, and have to have all this stuff on you. If you have like a little drawstring backpack, maybe a little uncomfortable, but 
big backpacks. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to school or any sort of college, like drop the drawstrings. Drop the drawstrings because there's so much shit you have to carry. <laughs> drawstrings are great for like your second backpack. Exactly. Like where you stick all your clothes and shit. Because if you're going to the gym after, you need that. Putting clothes in like a drawstring and then putting that drawstring in the big backpack. Yep. It just separates your stinky clothes from your good clothes too. Exactly. And you have your books, your protein shake, your waters, whatever you need. You are good to go. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah, so lovely little college conversation but you know my podcast isn't necessarily just about you know everyday life it kind of talks about adversity it talks about you know things that make a person who they are Mm -hmm. and a lovely little track that i like to go into is just you know you're going to school for finance yeah there's obviously a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Like, what made you want to go into finance at Texas State? You know, like, what made you decide, like, hey, I want to work with numbers? Okay. So, at first, I, I had a really tough time choosing my major. I thought I had it figured out. I was in high school, and I was like, I'm going to be a petroleum engineer. It's mm. third generation. Everyone's petroleum engineers in my family. And I was like, yeah, I don't really like engineering. And... Um, <clears throat> jump between a couple different majors, different ideas. My basic classes kind of helped me root out what I did and didn't like. I was going to go for chemical engineering. And then I realized that what I really enjoy uh, is, is, is business. If yeah. you think about the way I, I see business a lot of times, and I think a lot of people skip this perspective. Sometimes they view corporations as these greedy, power-hungry things. But mm-hmm. today's like modern-day business is essentially empire building. Mm -hmm. It's all about reach, influence, and it's under the assumption that you're going to help people or provide some kind of utility to their life that they're going to exchange money for. And Uh so anyway, I've always been interested in entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but everybody says, I want to be an entrepreneur, especially in our generation. And in their Instagram bio, you know, they're like social media influencer. I, I'm a social media <laughs> influencer. I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. But really what that means is I sell drugs and that's entrepreneurship to me. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it is. I it mean, is that, an that, entrepreneurship. True. It's, it's a small business. It is. It is. But at the same point, a lot of people are misguided about what entrepreneurship is. And yeah. I really enjoy going into a, a venue, going into a business. And, and I like to look at everything, you know. You walk into a restaurant and look at the mood and understand that most likely they hired an interior designer that specifically designed this kind of layout, this kind of wood, this kind yeah. of cabinetry. And there's so much that goes into a success that if you begin to parse it apart, you can learn a lot just by going to a really popular place because there's a reason that it's popular. Um, but I want to go into finance specifically because finance will give me a straight shot into private equity. Mm-hmm. and that's what I ultimately want to do with my degree. Private equity, those are the guys that fund the entrepreneurs. Uh-huh. Those are the guys that... Like angel investors? Exactly, like Shark Tank, essentially. Okay. And private equity firms are essentially the guys you go to to pitch your business idea, unless you decide to go to the bank instead. And as someone that works in private equity, I'll get a chance to watch businesses fail and businesses mm-hmm. succeed and kind of take mental notes about what they're doing, what they did wrong, and 
when I do decide to hit the field with uh-huh. entrepreneurship, I will have money. I'll have connections to investors. Uh-huh. And I'll also know what I'm doing more than just going into the dark saying I'm going to be an entrepreneur. So when you say that you're going to be doing this private equity, mm-hmm. what age are you thinking that you know, you're going to kind of start moving? Because, I mean, I'd say that you're graduating in two years mm-hmm. or so. Are you thinking of doing that after college or are you thinking of doing that, you know, after you're working somewhere else? And that's kind of like the next, next step. Um, it's the next, next step. Most private equity firms won't uh-huh. hire you right out of college. They want you to have four to five years of experience. So I'm thinking when I do graduate, not entirely sure what I'm going to do right yeah. after I graduate, thinking about traveling, also thinking about going straight in and getting my MBA, uh-huh. um, going to get my master's. But uh, I'm probably probably going to be looking for a bank or some other kind of firm that I can work for until I get the experience and then pitch mm-hmm. myself to a private equity group. So what you're saying is, is that making money is not instantaneously. It's not instantaneous. No, it's, it's, it's a get rich quick schemes aren't, uh, aren't effective. And especially in the field of entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. it's usually not sustainable. There's always going to be those exceptions. And those are the ones that get famous. Of course, that's why lottery is the lottery is so stupidly popular, foolishly popular. Because people will spend, I know people that will spend hundreds of dollars on lottery tickets like in a month. Yep. Because they're constantly keeping on this pipe dream of winning this multi-million. I mean, sure, you can win the lottery. It happens. But okay, what are you going to do with that money? They literally, okay, ready? Most, most of them go and fail. They fail because they end up giving out all that money. People find their home address and they'll send them. The, uh, the, the recent, I don't know if it's recent, but I had listened to it on a podcast. One of the lottery winners went and just pretty much spent all this money. He didn't know what to do with all the money for yep. one. So then he spent so much of it that he got bored. Then people started to send him messages like, hey, pay for this, pay for that, pay for that. I think his niece got into drugs because literally just had so much money, didn't really have to work because he gave didn't all Didn't have responsibilities. Yeah. No, he gave all of his money up. Yep. He didn't make people work for it. You know. What? Why do you think that so many lottery winners, because there's stories all over the internet oh, yeah. and of, of people win the lottery and they think it's going to change their life, but usually, I mean, they'll go and they'll get murdered. They'll lose all their money. They'll find themselves in terrible debt. They'll commit suicide. Yep. So why, what do you think is the reason that that happens so often? Because people don't know what to do with the money. Yep. They don't expect to win. And then usually the ones that win have, you know, spent a lot of money and time on these lottery tickets and lottery tickets. So what that means is they don't have an understanding of how to use money, how to control it, you know, how to budget things, mm-hmm. you know, because the people that I'm referencing will spend a majority of their paycheck on lottery tickets. And then they complain about them being poor. They complain about themselves, you know, not having food or not having, you know, some sort of thing that everybody else has. Mm -hmm. Then they get jealous of other people because they save their money. And then those are the people that literally are, when I say, I I talk about this a lot on my podcast about negative people, Mm -hmm. the, the blood suckers. Yep. Those are the blood suckers because 
they're putting the money into pipe dreams. And then when they win, they blow it on drugs, women, if they're guys. Like, the guy spent all of his money on, like, prostitutes and shit. Yep. And I think, it's I, just crazy. I think they have they, – they the fact that they're buying lottery tickets in the first place explains that they probably don't have an idea of financial management in place, like you were saying. Yeah. And so when they do get that money – I mean, if you walked away with $200 million tomorrow, you would truly be set up for life if you just invested $2 million of it. If you invested $2 million and you got a steady, I don't know, uh, a steady return like the S&P 500 for 8% uh-huh. annually, you would be looking at a six-figure paycheck every single year. And that's just off $2 million. If you had $200 yeah. million and you invested that in real estate – Put it in the hands of a financial manager or here's here's a ludicrous idea. Actually hire a consultant to tell you how to use your newfound money. Yeah. Then these people would never have issues, but they don't think they need to anymore. They think they have enough money to do whatever the hell they want. And um, blowing it on drugs and everything else like that and then lose it all. Exactly. They, they have poor decision making skills, which is probably the reason they're buying lottery tickets in the first place. I've been thinking about that for so long, about specifically that. Because yep. you see the little scratch-off ones, people are like, shit! They throw it off, and they it ruins your whole day, too. It does. And you're, you're banking on something that is just improbable. It's more probable that you will start a company and become the next Bill Gates than it is to win the lottery. I mean, there's more self-made millionaire entrepreneurs in, I think, in 2019 than any uh-huh. other year. And if any time is the time for entrepreneurship and like personal success stories, it, it would be this generation. People are kind of getting their foot out the door. There's so many platforms upon which people can build their brand and, and do things like that. So That's awesome. Well, yes, lottery tickets are not the easy way to success. But what do you think as a, and I will say this in fine italics, young entrepreneur, what do you think is setting you aside from these Instagram entrepreneurs? Like what, is it a mindset? Is it something that you are doing in your free time that is putting you in that position? That's, you know, because everybody, the people that are the top 1%, Dan Bilzerian, mm-hmm. um, you know, Oh Dan, Oh Dan, <laughs> Oh Dan, Oh Dan. Uh, you got Dan Bilzerian and then you got, you know, Joe Rogan, who's using his own, podcast is advertising and selling other things and UFC how what is kind of setting you into the mindset for that that's kind of a hard hard, harsh word question but so I don't want to I don't want to try to sound egotistical here Um, but I think something a lot of people miss when they are going for entrepreneurship or trying to be a social media influencer uh, particularly those, um, particularly social media influencers have a very difficult life as do vloggers uh-huh. and professional gamers. It, it's, I would never wish that on myself because the, it's so many hours that you pour into it. But I think one thing that sets me apart from everybody else is that I love to fail. And I truly enjoy failing because I, I was always told this growing up by my, mo- my mother, you're, it's never a failure if you learn from it. Mm -hmm. And so 
it just becomes a mistake or it just becomes a lesson. A lesson. Exactly. And so many people can't handle the idea of failure. Mm -hmm. And that's why so many people don't get started. They want to do something. They want to be a great artist. They want to be a singer. They want to be a songwriter. But they're so afraid of not doing it Uh or they're so afraid of failing at it that they don't ever go out and try it. Or when they do fail, it's like Mm -hmm. close the door on that box. I can't do this. I can't sing. I suck. I mean, look at Jack Ma, the founder of Alibaba. I mean, that guy got turned down for a job at KFC. He, he got turned down for so many jobs and so many opportunities, so many investments from banks. People would not work with him. And it didn't stop him. Mm-hmm. He just kept going for it. And I think that you have to have that resilience if you're going to be successful, whether that's in entrepreneurship or in life. If you're not afraid of failing and you look at it as a learning opportunity, the world is at your fingertips. Mm. Failure is very important mm-hmm. because it teaches you so many things. You look at um, like J.K. Rowling. Mm-hmm. She wrote all those Harry Potter books. Very, very poor. Yep. And like she would, they, uh, I watched a YouTube video on uh, libraries and uh, one of the guys had went in there and he had, been to one of the libraries that J.K. Rowling had um, written some of the books in and the coffee shops and things along those lines where you're writing them on napkins. You're writing ideas because you don't have any sort of like little component book or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just, I feel that when you're at your lowest, you are able to not only appreciate the really good parts of life, but to learn from the really bad parts of life because only people that have, I've said this at least a hundred times during this podcast, only people that have seen the dark appreciate the light. Yep. Yep. I agree because if you don't know what's on the other side, then you don't know what to be afraid of or what you're trying to avoid. And I mean, I think that's why so many rich kids get bad names or yeah. make bad decisions is because they haven't had to struggle like that. So they don't know what they're trying to avoid. But I, at the same time, I feel like, okay. But those lessons can't saying. be taught. No, no. Yeah. Struggling financially can't necessarily be taught unless you're, you as a um, wealthy individual. So let's just say there's a kid graduating from high school and his parents have a lot of money, but they're not going to support him whatsoever. Exactly. That would be the kind of only way that I would think but I still feel that regardless of socioeconomic classes, you know, rich, poor, whatever, I think that there are still some sort of difficulties that you can still take on. For instance, depression, anxiety, regardless if you're rich or poor, depression and anxiety don't really care about your socioeconomic they don't. class. Yep. They just really affect anybody and anyone who may not necessarily know how to deal with something like that. Exactly. You know, and I feel like in some instances that rich people are probably some of the most depressed because they have a lot. They haven't had to struggle too much versus well, you get like low, you get a lower income. Some people that are, I would say in minority groups to an extent, they come together for family. They don't necessarily care too much about money. Yeah. And they're a lot happier because they have each other. I think, I think a lot of wealthy people, um, they never viewed being poor as an option. 
I mean, they were probably a, a lot of wealthy families are really strict with their children and things like that. And so it creates this atmosphere where they always feel like they have something to prove. Uh-huh. And so in that same sense, when people do make it and they do become wealthy, they think that that's what they need to be happy. Yeah. And then they get there, they realize it's a lot more stress and they haven't focused on themselves, building themselves, building their inner peace mm. and finding, finding themselves and what makes them feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And so they're still searching for happiness in that new car, that new car smell or the big new house or this and that. And it's just not, that's not the key to happiness. Yeah. The reason that I want to become wealthy isn't because I think that money is going to make me happy. I don't yeah. want to buy a lot of things with money. It's to me, wealth is a measure of worth to society. Mm-hmm. That money is the communication of value. That's exactly what it is. It, a dollar tag amount on something is the amount that society or a business values a certain item at. And if you find ways to be wealthy, 99% of the times I would say that you have provided enough utility to society that society is going to reward you, which I consider to be one of the greatest merits of capitalism. I saw a uh, Instagram video today mm-hmm. talking um, and it had um, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, um, Elon Musk, and uh, who's uh, who's the, the Amazon guy now? Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos. Wait. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it had all of them and they talked specifically about passion mm-hmm. because you have to have your passion. You have to find it. You know, it's – my pops told me this. He said there's two things you shouldn't chase in life. Girls and money. Yep. Because neither want to be chased. They want to do the chasing. It's hmm. a fair point. So, you know, chasing money is always going to lead down a very dark path. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to get that money. You're going to get it. But once you get it, what do you do after you've bought everything? Exactly. After you've done just about everything. If you're not enjoying what you're doing while getting paid for it, why are you doing it? Which is where that old adage comes from. Don't always agree with it, but the fact that money can't buy you happiness, that has to come from within. And I think a lot of people get so focused on succeeding and overcoming all the difficulties in their life that they don't make time for themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, hell, I've noticed that myself in college. I got so many things on my plate at once that I don't make time for myself all the time. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I definitely feel that having an influence on me. Mm. Um, I think that that prioritizing oneself is honestly a better path to success sometimes than just banging out the hours and putting an extremely hard amount of work in because, well, you know, if you work smarter and not harder, yeah, you can't. That college degree is not going to mean anything when you hark over from a caffeine, uh, from a fucking caffeine intake that's outrageously high, and you have a heart attack at twenty-two. Exactly right. Yeah. You know, and see, I have I have trouble with that because I'm the exact opposite. I spend a lot of time with myself. I'm I'm an introverted extrovert, <laughs> where I enjoy talking to people and I enjoy having conversations, and. I thoroughly enjoy, you know, going out and making new friends, mm-hmm. but I prioritize my time, like my me time 
more than I prioritize anybody else's time. And that's just because of, you know, I've talked about my breakup before many times, Mm -hmm. but the thing that stayed with me is I spent so much time with that person and I gave up on a lot of me time Yeah, because I didn't like who I was. So I didn't want to be with myself because I was, you know, very depressed, very anxious. I didn't want to be with myself. But then after I got done and I learned that that's not necessarily true, I fucking enjoy myself. It's just fun because you're just like, oh, that's funny as shit. Something I, that I thought up before there's a lot of people that don't even think about that. They're like, oh, that was fucking stupid. I should never say that again. <laughs> I'm going to go fucking eat a whole bag of crinkle crud. You know? <laughs> it, I think it's true, yeah. You know, I noticed um, a similar thing with my breakup. I I thought it was the worst thing, worst thing that would ever have happened to me. But yeah. I think that it changed my life for the absolute better. And uh, sometimes I think that I enjoy being alone more than I enjoy being with other people, which eh, can be good and bad, certain amount of doses. But yeah. I think that that itself is the key to being happy regardless of where you are, uh-huh. is whether or not you can be comfortable with yourself. And if you can't be comfortable with yourself, if you don't like who you are, then trying to cover that up with substances, with even just hanging out around other people or filling yourself with work, that's, that's not going to work. It's just another way to push things back. And I, I would encourage anybody that feels like they can relate to that because finding time for yourself, finding alone time, that that's essential. Just like watching Hulu, literally, just watching Hulu on the couch by yourself, you know, eating a bag of popcorn is probably one of the most enjoyable things because it's like, if you don't support yourself, who's going to support you? Yep. You know, my, my both my mom and my dad both told me this and it kind of hit me a little differently. Uh, we were talking about something I got pissed at. Him. I got so mad. And he goes, look. I'm going to disappoint you. Your mom's going to disappoint you. Whoever you're married to, whoever you're dating is going to disappoint you. So you kind of got to get used to it and just support yourself. You got to like, I'm not always going to support you on a lot of things, but you got to, you have to, you, it's like, it's like having a ladder and you have the little, the little pegs to stand on, mm-hmm. but there's nothing on the side. Exactly. You know, you have a whole bunch of great ideas, but what are you supporting those ideas with? Exactly. I think, I think people seek, especially today's society, I think they seek reassurance from everybody else. And so it can be absolutely soul crushing when they don't get that reassurance. And that's what I think holds so many people back. Um, I mean, that's what Gary Vaynerchuk, I don't know if you are familiar with the guy. Gary V. Gary V, man, I, I, I really resonate with that guy because yep. he pretty much goes around the world and tells people to stop giving a fuck what other people think about him. Oh, yeah. And he's entirely right. And just like what you're saying is it, I, it's kind of a darker idea, but I've always enjoyed this saying is the fact that we come into this world alone and we die alone. Yep. And we're the only people that have to live with ourselves. We're the only people that are there from the start to the finish. So it doesn't make sense why you wouldn't want to cultivate a really good relationship with yourself mm-hmm. instead of with other people. And once you do cultivate another relationship with yourself, a better one, 
you'll start to find that people gravitate towards that because there starts to be a glow and energy about you. You are certain of yourself. You are comfortable with being yourself in situations and people like that authenticity. They don't, I feel like people can really finally pick up on unauthentic people or not authentic people. And I don't know. What do you, what do you think constitutes whether or not somebody is, what do you think can create a little bit of positive energy? Like that, that aura? Yeah. So what I think that people can do to kind of bring themselves more positive energy is for one, what we just talked about, be extremely comfortable with yourself. If Mm -hmm. you're, if you're comfortable in your own skin, you know, that's kind of the first step Mm -hmm. because if you're comfortable in your own skin, you don't care what people say. Mm -hmm. You're like, okay, great. Thanks. Appreciate it. Well, I'm going to go this way. Mm -hmm. You know, being comfortable in your own skin is a very broad answer for that. So to kind of like break it down a little bit, don't give a fuck. Yeah. Literally just kind of don't give a shit about what people say because opinions and fucking, what was it? (laughs) My dad told me this. He goes, uh, uh, I forgot. It was like opinions and assholes or some shit like that. Opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Everybody's got an opinion about the presidential debate. Everybody's got an opinion on whether red looks better on a Porsche than yellow does. (laughs) It's just like, it's all preference. Mm -hmm. So if somebody sees that you're doing better than them, they're usually going to give you a negative response because they're jealous. Yep. So not giving a fuck is an essential in the world. You you think Gary V would, if he gave a fuck in a lot of those positions where people were constantly critiquing him, Mm -hmm. constantly telling him he couldn't do it. If he was like, you know what, guys, you're right. I can't do this. He would never be where he is today. Oh, no. He would not. Mm -hmm. And ladies and gentlemen, your mental psyche, your mental health is the most important part of you. Because without a very, without a steel mind, you will not have a steel body. People that just work on their bodies and just lift weights usually are weak-minded. Mm-hmm. People who have a very um, strong mind but weak body are physically weak. So to have an equal amount of both is another thing that is essential for positive energy. If you're constantly eating shitty foods and wasting your money on you know, eating out every night when you know that you could be saving at least like, – me going to the grocery store, I probably spend about a hundred bucks, maybe every two weeks to a week. If I were to eat out every every day for three meals, yep. And that's if it's ten bucks a meal, thirty bucks a day, and two hundred and ten bucks a week. Yep. Times four of that for a month, and you have I think that's what like so that's two eight forty four eight forty yeah mm-hmm. eight hundred and forty dollars in a month. Yep. Versus spending four hundred, you're you're spending double. Well, well, at the same point, I think you're going under a really good point, and that's it. Not everything is is mindset. You have to recognize that so much of your mindset is dependent 
on your physical healthiness, uh-huh. like how healthy you are. And I'm not just talking about, oh, go for a jog or, you know, go work out, lose some weight or something. That's that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about we are comprised of the food that we consume. Mm-hmm. And sure, some of us are balling on a budget and we don't have time for making all of our own meals or something like that. But making sure that you're reaching your nutritional value numbers that you need to get to, making uh-huh. sure that you have a healthy balance of vitamins going in your body. I mean, these all sound like really basic. This this all sounds like really basic crap. And so why would you ignore it? It is, yeah. it is basic and it's basic for a reason. It's because, I mean, I, I have obsessed so much over making sure that I've kept myself physically healthy, nutritionally healthy, that I feel like I can notice when something's off about what I've done today, oh, big time. when I haven't hydrated enough, when I haven't done this enough, when I haven't eaten a good solid meal. You feel your brain slow down if you become attuned to these things. Mm-hmm. And to get yourself in a healthy mindset, you have to have – it's hard because especially when you're in a pit of depression because you know what you need to do. But you, you don't want to do it. You don't want to do it. You're laying in bed watching TV. You don't really want to do anything. You just kind of want to be there. And that's where I feel like enters the very first mental struggle because you have to have discipline not only to be successful, but to pull yourself out of difficult holes. You have to discipline yourself. All right. I don't want to go make food right now. I don't want to eat healthy. This salary looks gross, but you need to go for it. You need to eat it anyway. You need to have the discipline to stick with that long enough until it becomes a habit. Yeah. And then everything else will follow. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest, celery's gross. I can't stand celery. It's okay, it has no no nutritional value. So it's like literally like just water. It's just fiber and water essentially. Yeah, thanks guys. Uh celery's trash. Just uh as uh Gray and I both agree. So if you uh don't agree, send me a DM and we can argue about it. Um but yeah, it's I, I definitely agree with you. I think that you know you don't have to be a bodybuilder, but doing cardio, doing a little bit of weight training to keep your, you know, your body active because I'm always thinking about the end of the world, the zombie apocalypse, you know, nuclear <laughs> fallout. I think about that almost every time. There we go. And I'm like, okay, if you do get fat, you start to rely on junk food and all these other things. Where are you going to be when a group of zombies is chasing you and you're 200 plus at like 35, 40% body fat? You're, you're, they're going to outrun you. I don't know if anybody has seen Zombieland. Literally, <laughs> he says the fatties die first. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, and it's, I think about that specific. Like, you just got it. If you can, if you can bike, elliptical, stair step, or at least go hike. Hiking is so good for you. Mm-hmm. You're not running. It's low impact walking. Mm-hmm. You're also releasing endorphins because you're in the wilderness the wilderness literally makes your mind happy yeah being stuck in a cubicle for 60 70 hours in a week <laughs> is only if you're literal an literal torture for your mind <laughs> oh yeah attorneys i couldn't do that job that's uh oh. same i thought about law oh, absolutely man. not for me when i heard that they had showers at the offices i said no <laughs> they have showers at the offices yeah Wow. Yeah. 
that's gross. I was like, nope, I don't need, I don't need to be devoting my life to that. I'd rather devote my life to something that I can get passionate behind, like entrepreneurship. I mean, honestly, that's super, like, I'd honestly kill myself in a position like that. Yeah. Like, because there's, okay, there's excitement. You got a deal, but what are you going to do with that money if you can't spend it? Oh, absolutely. And you know, I think that it's something that I think Gary V talks about in one of his episodes. He was, he was saying that it yeah as an entrepreneur you get so invested in what you're doing yeah if it's what you really want to do that it doesn't 70 hour weeks fuck it that's that's fine that's great because it's what you want to do it's yeah. your passion imagine if you got paid to watch netflix or play video games right uh -huh. if, if you enjoyed it you wouldn't mind if you work 70 yeah. hours a week and so you got to find what your passion is enough that you don't mind putting in that overtime uh -huh. because I mean, what's better than having a job that doesn't feel like a job? It, it but it's you literally get paid all for play. It. Exactly, it's all play, and I, I don't know. I think it's important to not only find what you're passionate about, but also find ways to become passionate about things yeah. that you know you need to do, like fitness. People get passionate about that; they know they need to do it. Some people are like, "Absolutely not! I can't go to the gym." But if you find a way to build a passion for it, if you find a way through discipline to enjoy things that you don't like, everything becomes easy. And, and here's here's another thing. It, I don't think that it's a lack of passion in some instances for the gym. Yeah. Um, I, I know someone who uh, I went to the gym with recently and I'm very, I've been working out for since I was a junior in high school. So maybe four years now. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of devised this plan of like zoning in on one task when I'm in the gym. Yeah. Like I just, I zone and I only look at myself. I only focus on me. I'm focusing on how I can do a better form, how I can work with things, you know, what's going to increase um, me being able to lift more or less or just do just little tweaks and adjustments that I'm so focused on myself, I can't even give a shit about what everybody else is doing in the gym. Mm -hmm. The thing about this individual, the whole time you're staring at everybody else, and it's this, this mental, damn, that person's big. I wish I was like that. I'm not like that. I'm never going to be like that. I should just leave. Yep. I'm going to go home and be depressed. And it, it's just, it's the rabbit hole. Yep. You shouldn't even be focused on anybody else but yourself in the gym. The gym is literally there to build you up. It's not to build everybody else up. Yep. If I was going to the gym with you and you working out was getting me bigger. <laughs> then the gyms would be full of auditoriums. It would just be fucking ridiculous. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's not how it is. It's about you. That's why you go to the gym. Mm -hmm. People that go to the gym to make themselves look better for other people. That's another one too. And, usually those people don't end up working out later on in life. That's a good point as well. I think I do you think that 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 tunnel vision that you say you get at the gym you think it helps maybe time pass faster and for you to make sure that you're doing that you're lifting with proper form uh -huh. and that you're actually getting the most out of your experience at the gym. So I I think that I found that out when I started boxing. Hmm. I found that tunnel vision whenever I started to actually understand what my body and my mind was doing in an accelerated, in an accelerated adrenaline state, because 
obviously adrenaline is being released when you work out as well as when you're doing any sort of combative sports. But once you're able to focus and kind of direct that adrenaline into a specific place, you're able to get into that zone, mm. stay into it. And music is a very big part, but I don't know if uh, – have you ever heard of David Goggins? I'm not. Okay, so David Goggins is – please don't critique me on this, ladies and gentlemen. I do not know this specifically. He's, he's <laughs> Disclaimer. He was in the military. I think he was in the SEALs. I don't remember off the top of my head. He uh, – but – oh, no. He – completed every single special forces or uh, special military unit training mm-hmm. per branch. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So crazy, amazing dude. That's difficult too. Yeah. That's no small feat. But, you know, he talks about it specifically because he was 200 pounds, 300 pounds, or I think it was like 250, eating milkshakes and watching TV all night and he was spraying for roaches every day. He literally wanted to kill himself pretty much, you know, but it's the mindset. It's that tunnel vision. He doesn't even work out with music because he wants to make sure that it is only him motivating himself and only him pushing himself because Hmm. what happens when you take the music off? Who's motivating you now? That's a good point. I think that that's, I think that can bleed into other areas of your life too. Mm-hmm. That's a lesson that you can learn just from that, that individual right there is the fact that you, you, like we were saying earlier, you have to be the one that's in your corner. Yep. You got to be the one that's, you have to be the voice that motivates yourself. You have to be the one that tells you that you are good enough, that you are going to succeed, that you're doing the right thing because in the end you're, you're the only person that has the power to make that difference for yourself if you decide that. Oh, yeah. And if you don't, you're you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. The lottery winners, weak-minded usually because they didn't expect to win. Mm -hmm. What if there was somebody who made it a science to win the lottery? Well, now that, my friend, is called poker. (laughs) <laughs> and that's why i'm so passionate about it what are you playing on what like what platform like, yeah what platform i play on america's card room and on bet online um i i for anyone in the audience who doesn't know i'm a big fan of of poker i play online huh. um planning on going to some card rooms in austin later on but um i'm a big fan of poker it's a science it's a science-based game and any game where depending on how conniving you are, you win money off of it. Tell me that doesn't sound fun. Oh, yeah. Because, so. I mean, it, it's literally the American dream to <laughs> step up to the top. Mm-hmm. You know? I feel like it's... it's. It, I, I love poker because it's... It, the biggest thing about poker that a lot of people don't understand, it's not about getting good cards. It's about playing what you have. Uh-huh. And it's all about discipline. And for a long time, I was absolutely terrible at poker. And I realized that I loved poker so much because it was an exercise in something that I was, at the time, very weak in, which was discipline. Mm. If you are a disciplined person, you can learn game theory science for poker and you're going to be successful. It's all about discipline. Mm. And if you have patience and discipline, 
you are five steps ahead of the competition. Mm. And that's what, that's what I love so much about it. It's an exercise in those things for me every time I do it. That's kind of like Sudoku. Literally. Yeah. Which, um, what was it? I think there was a test done at uh, some college. I don't remember off the top of my head. Please don't cite me on this. <laughs> where they had um, elderly individuals who had done brain puzzles consistently just kept their mind working kept everything kind of sharp they real numbers people mm -hmm. and the fatty to muscle tissue in the brain hmm. was insane they had like i think it was like 90 percent muscle like 10 percent fat compared to the people that when they retired they went into a life of leisure and of doing nothing but sitting down, watching TV, cooking. That's why retirement kills you. Yeah, retirement kills you because you stop, you stop working, you start stop doing things. I think I'll be working till the day I die. Not a yeah. job necessarily, but something. If I go into retirement, I'm gonna keep myself fucking busy. Like woodworking. Exactly. Something, something simple. Something simple as that is very cool. Mm-hmm. You've seen those guys that do. Um, there was a guy that did um, electricity woodworking. Oh yes, I have seen so that. So they did the nails in the wood, and he ran an electrical current through it, and the electricity ran through the wood mm -hmm. and created a lightning bolt-like pattern across that in which burned he burned it did, into the wood. Yeah, and then he did the rest of the wood burning with a, a little tool. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Exactly, that's really but, cool. Who's thinking about that? What do you mean? Like, who would be thinking, like, I'm going to stick some nails in this wood, and I'm going to put some wire on it and shock it? <laughs> what, like, what brings somebody to do that except for passion? Exactly. I think that the creative mind is, is one of the most interesting things that you can study. I've lost my creativity since I came to college because uh -huh. I've just been focused on too many responsibilities. But I think that that's one of the coolest things about having leisure time, particularly retirement like we're talking about. Is that when you have leisure time, you have an opportunity to open your brain into just completely enveloping yourself in creative thought uh -huh. or a certain type of thought. I envy full-time artists that are successful because mm -hmm. they don't have to worry about all their other responsibilities. They get to focus on their passion. And I do agree that if you don't keep your mind sharp, you're... you're you're not going to be very satisfied as mm -hmm. a person. If you're not challenging yourself constantly, you're not going to be a very satisfied person. I don't know. What do you, what do you, what do you do on a daily basis to keep yourself sharp? You think I'm going to be honest. I'm slacking. Really? I'm slacking big time. Well, it's good that you can admit that, right? Oh yeah. I'm definitely okay to admit that because I mean, if I, you know, I'm going to read, listen to this and I want to be like, damn, I need to step up my shit. <laughs> but if I was to have a ideal day, I would be at least reading 30 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. I mean, reading one page a day is already more beneficial than good majority of the world. Good majority of the world reads 12 books in their entire life. Oh, crikey. That's scary. And it's usually by accident or a, an accumulation of words that would be equivalent to that 12 book. Interesting. And not not trying to you know pat myself up over here but right now i'm at like 15 or 16 books this year there you go and i've slacked a lot on that i should be 
Uh, I have a goal of 30 that I don't know if I'm going to achieve because I've been slacking too much, but the year is still young. Indeed. It's time to make up for it. But reading is very important. It increases your vocabulary as well as you learn from people's mistakes because authors, nonfiction authors or autobiography authors, anybody that is writing a book wants to convey some sort of topic for you to comprehend. Mm -hmm. So therefore, if it was literally a book about somebody throwing somebody off the side of a building, you're going to be like, ah, I should probably not throw somebody off the side of this fucking building. (laughs) It's stupid. It's simple. But the hungry, hungry caterpillar taught me a lot too. (laughs) I mean, I think there's a lot of knowledge in books. I think that's why we, that's why we write a lot of the times, particularly as you're saying nonfiction. I think that a book is, is probably one of the best ways to keep your brain sharp. And Mm I, I, I've been slacking too on that chance. I'll, I'll be honest, but I find myself a lot more fulfilled when I'm reading, Yeah. whether that's scientific articles, scholarly journals, or, or paperback books. If you read a, what, what has en- enveloped me since I've come to college uh-huh. has been a complete absolute infatuation with learning. Mm-hmm. That's what's gotten me through college. Mm-hmm. That's why I love writing papers. That's why I love researching. That's why I'm totally okay with bringing on additional school-related responsibilities yeah. is I, I, I love to learn. And I think that if you have a love for learning, then you're going to find enjoyment in everything around you because if you just want to learn from it. How did you get to that point of thoroughly enjoying learning? Because that's, in some instances, a lot of people are just like, I want to get the fuck out of school. I don't want to be here. I just want to get my degree and say sign on. You know, I, I think it's hard to pinpoint that. A lot of it has to do with how I was raised. My mother is also obsessed with learning, so that helps. But, you know, I had to make that decision at one point. Yeah. I hated school in my last a couple, couple of years of high school. Mm-hmm. It was just like a box to tick off. Yeah. And a lot of people, I think, view it as a box to tick off. But if you start looking at what you can gain from what you're learning, if you start looking at ways that you can apply the knowledge to what you do every day, I, I think what it all boils down to and Neil deGrasse Tyson talks about this, and he he said, I, I really liked what he said about it. He said that one of the most incredible things about children and why he loves being around children is because it, and, and it speaks for humanity itself, is that we are innately curious. Mm-hmm. Everybody's a very curious person. And particularly children are, are really curious about the world around them. They're going to ask why, to the point where a lot of people are think they're annoying. Yeah. And society goes and teaches children that they need to shut up and stop asking so many questions because we view them as annoyances. But think of how much good the world would have if people were more curious. Yeah. If they wanted to learn before they jumped to a conclusion about something, before they decided they understood it. It, it Curiosity is what fuels my passion for learning. Yes. But at the same time, curiosity killed the cat. Do not be too curious my friends, in, in, in things that you shouldn't be. Well, that's true. Well, They're, at the same... Be, be curious at the things that are good for you 
you know, mentally and physically that you think are going to work well, but in the off chance that you are trying to increasing, increase the amount of nuclear, uh, nuclear weapons to add to an arsenal and to do it with the smallest amount, let, 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 let's leave that to science fiction. Well, well, I, unless I, it's nuclear, like fish and shit like that. I might, I might disagree here and, and call me, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that curiosity almost in any sense is a good thing. Mm. If you're, as long as you're rational enough to not get killed. Yeah. Like the cat, you know, uh, yeah. Curiosity could lead to bad results, but at the same point, I don't believe in failure. Uh-huh. And I think that if you're not curious and you don't do things that may incur some kind of risk, you're not living life to the fullest sometimes. And so if you're curious about things, even that can be harmful to your health, and, and this actually applies, I think, a lot to social evolution. Oh, a lot of people hate what they don't understand. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really bad. If you don't like a person's based on their religion or their race or their culture. Or politics. Or politics you're 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 making a mistake until you understand exactly what they think i try to immerse myself i immerse myself in what i don't believe Mm -hmm. because otherwise how do i know i don't believe it you gotta play devil's advocate because i love it's honestly a lot more fun to play into what you don't believe Mm -hmm. because then you're like okay this is why that person believes that i can understand so i probably shouldn't have the opinion that i have of this person because I'm not really in their shoes, but that's emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. That's empathy. This is true. Which is harder for logical or logic based individuals who look at things as from a perspective. Yeah. Because I'm a very statistical person. Mm-hmm. Is, is that the right way of saying a statistical or stats? Like statistic. analytical person. There you go. Good. Analytical. Good. There you go. Very analytical person versus, you know, I, I don't have too much empathy with, you know, people that use prior events as a reason why they're not successful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Ooh, this is a good topic. I like this one. Because then if you're saying my parents got divorced when I was 12, I'm 45. They're the reason that I'm not successful. Mm-hmm. So what you're telling me is that because your parents got divorced at 12, you've been like non-existent for the last like 33 years. People, people look for reasons to make excuses yeah. for things that they do wrong. And, I mean, everyone does this. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of my favorite schools of philosophical thought is, is stoicism because stoicism <clears throat> is essentially the idea that, <clears throat> well, at least my limited understanding of stoicism is, is the idea that you take responsibility for everything that occurs yeah. around you. I mean, <clears throat> a lot of people will say, well, I grew up low income. I didn't have the same opportunities. I went to a crappy school that didn't have a lot of funding and, you know, my mother didn't have any time to spend with me. She was a single parent, a lot of things. But if you look for them, there are success stories of those people who pulled themselves by their bootstraps out of the absolute bottom. Yeah. And they, they made a name for themselves in the world. I mean, look at Ben Carson. He's, he was a guy that grew up 
from my understanding in the Bronx, it may not have been the Bronx, but a super low income area. Uh, he got involved with drugs. He got involved with, with uh-huh. some gangs at some point. He reached a really low point, almost got shot. And he devoted himself to the idea that he was the only one that was responsible for his situation. And, you know, then he turned himself into a brain surgeon and ran for president. Yeah. And it, it, there are success stories of people coming out of the most difficult situations and making the best out of them. Yeah. If you have a difficult situation, again, like, like you were telling me earlier, a, 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 a problem is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I, I can please expound upon that because that was a really good point. So uh, I, I've said this in a lot of episodes, actually. Mm-hmm. A problem is only a problem if you think it's a problem. Yes. If you're looking at a flat tire as a problem, okay, sure, it's a problem. Or it's an opportunity. Maybe I shouldn't have gone down this street. Maybe there's going to be a oncoming car that would have collided with me, killing me. Mm-hmm. But this flat tire saved my life. True. It's stupid, but it it when you're like, poor what was me? Mm-hmm. Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Versus, oh. At least I didn't die when my tire blew out and I could have flipped my car. Yep. You know, it's it may be tough and it may be difficult. Like, um, what is it? Ooh. So uh, if y'all follow me on Instagram, at uh, Chancellor Sturgeon, by the way, hit it up. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a picture of me getting slammed uh, by a, a lovely wonderful fighter um and i landed on my neck on that in that that photo and i saw stars for a quick second you know and i thought to myself like man i could have died in an instant like your neck snaps but you know uh that's something that i kind of focus on like yeah that was an awesome slam but i didn't die could have been a lot worse. Oh, yeah. It could have been a whole lot worse. And, you know, focusing on like, man, you could have did this and you could have did that and blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, but it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. You focusing on what could have happened is going to prevent you from success. The The funny thing is, is like, okay, guys out there, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna throw y'all a bone. Uh not talking to the pretty girl in the hallway is probably that worst mistake that you can do for yourself. Mm-hmm. Unless she's got a boyfriend, stay away. <laughs> but you don't know till you ask. You don't know till you actually figure that shit out. So the opportunities that you don't take, you don't seek. You miss every shot you don't you don't make. So. I mean, if you're not even shooting the ball, how do you expect to even make it in the basket? You know, um, speaking back to what you're talking about, about how if you have a shitty situation, you can morph it into a good one. Yeah. I I, I made a massive effort to build a men- mental habit of viewing difficult situations, viewing adversity, and being like, okay, cool, what can I gain from this? Mm-hmm. And because I noticed a lot when I was in a really deep pit of depression that I was focusing on everything that was wrong with my life. Mm. I was giving too, way too much mental power towards everything that was wrong and not coming up with solutions for them. 
Yeah. And it was easy to overwhelm myself with how many things were wrong. Uh, so I started making a habit. I was like, something crappy just happened to me. All right, cool. Let's make the best out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to a point where I, I got fired from a job at one point and I thought to myself, you know, I didn't like this situation. Um, my boss was an alcoholic. We didn't get along very much. And I am excited that what I was able to take away from this job was that I learned how to build patience with coworkers. I learned a lot of life skills in that job and I was ready to apply it to the next one and be that much better, get off on the right foot. And I noticed that all my work had paid off. Like maybe two years later, I was driving over to Colorado with a, my roommate and I was on the highway about 50 minutes from home and I look out my my left side rearview mirror and I had to do a double take because I was driving there and then I watched this tire just rolling along with me and I was like, what? And it was my wheel that had just come off my car and it was rolling with me. And like, it, it was kind of like the whole cartoon thing where they jump off the cliff, they look down, then they fall. I oh. looked at my wheel and I was like, is that my wheel? And then just boom, my car starts scraping on the ground, just three wheels. And I could have been like, I had to call a tow truck. It cost a lot to get it back to San yeah. Marcos, 50, 50 minutes away. I had to wait. I, I just lost my wheel. That was super expensive. <clears throat> but I, I noticed that my hard work of building like a habit had paid off because when I looked at that situation, I thought, wow, I am so glad that this happened yeah. when it did because I could have been driving down a mountain and my wheel came off and I went off that cliff and I was dead. Yep. I could have that wheel that kept spinning on there. There could have been tons of traffic and that hit a car and then I would have been liable for all the damage of that car. At 70 miles an hour, a wheel. Yep. be devastating. And you know what? I was lucky that it happened at like 3 a.m. on the highway, no cars, and it just rolled along onto the median and just like stopped. Yep. And that's when I realized that I had I had built a good habit because I looked at that situation and I thought, I am so lucky that this occurred yeah. the way that it did instead of viewing it as like, I can't believe this just happened. How did this happen? This is going to set me back so much. This, that, and that. That negative, negative energy that you're putting into something. I think a real, 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 real important thing to do in any sort of bad situation is laugh. Yeah, I agree. Like That's what I did. And you're just like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's pretty fucking crazy. And, like, if you if you genuinely just kind of give a good chuckle, it makes things ten times easier. Diffuses the whole situation. Like, even if it's, like, good hearty laughter for, like, a good 30 seconds, you're just like, Wow. I almost fucking died. That's an adrenaline rush. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's go see what we can do here. And then you go out. Versus if you're just like, and you just zoom in on all of it. I know. And granted, ladies and gentlemen, it is not easy. No. We, we're, we're, we're definitely kind of, you know, making it sound easy, but it is not fucking easy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just want to choke somebody. <laughs> you, The tow truck driver comes up and you're like, listen here, you are... 30 seconds late, and I'm about to end you between now and Christmas. Do you understand me? <laughs> it's 3 in the morning, and I've had nothing but coffee. But that's what discipline is. And, and, and that's – I had to focus so long. As I said, like two years later, that paid off for me. Yep. I had to focus on every little situation. I hit traffic. I hit accidentally rear into somebody. Or, you know, everything from they spelled my name wrong at Starbucks to – you know, my dog just peed on the floor. You you have every single opportunity where something goes wrong is an opportunity to train your brain uh-huh. to not 
get upset. Uh-huh. And that can be so powerful if you if you really focus on it. Because then also when you're upset, you're very weak-minded too. You are. It takes a very strong man or woman to look at something and be like, all right, I guess I'm just going to go do this. Mm-hmm. And usually the person that is more emotionally based will let the emotions trickle out or just water hose. You know, you kind of water hose somebody and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is a lot. Yep. This is too much to even take on. But, you know, to kind of bring this to a conclusion, what 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 do you think that you can give the audience that might, you know, kind of not necessarily just motivate them, but could give them a head start into this type of life we're talking about this. And and again, this is not a stress-free life. This is a very stressful life, Mm -hmm. a very, uh, a rock under high stress or earth under high stress creates diamonds. Mm, I like that. You know, so you have to have stress to be successful. You cannot be successful without stress because then you don't understand how long it took for you to make that money or how long it took you to get out of depression. Mm -hmm. What, what can you say? Um, is something that people can use just at least two or three things simple or complex, whatever you decide. You know, one of the most useful things that I always come back to is I have this really clear vision of what gray looks like Uh in 10 or 20 years when he's got all of his shit together and he's exactly who he wants to be. I have a clear vision of that. And when I get into situations that are difficult or hard for me, I ask myself what I would do if it was me 20 years from now. What would oh. that vision of myself do? What does that vision look like? How does he act? What does he say? What does he consume? What does he spend his time doing? And I, I reference that constantly in my days so that I can just be set on a path towards being that person that I mm-hmm. want to be. Instead of looking at I, when, whenever I have free time, I go to the mountains in Colorado and at the, people might think I'm crazy, but I go solely to climb 14ers, 14,000 foot mountains. Mm. I go there to hike ridiculously long hikes and you can look at the mountaintop and all the space in between you and there, that five mile hike or something. Mm -hmm. And you can think, Oh my God, this is going to suck. Or you look at the top of that mountain and you don't look away from it. You just keep your eye focused on the prize. You keep your eye focused on what you want to do. And if there's anything I can impart to the audience, have a vision of who you want to be. What is that person's habits? What do they do with themselves? And then start making those habits into your daily life and start referencing your future best self Mm. and asking them what you would do. Definitely. And also, if y'all are having any sort of problems with conversing out loud that's also a a very good thing if you think that your um, future self is confident strong-willed strong mind and just has an all-around just good demeanor Mm -hmm. try your best to be that and i mean and obviously try your best no one's perfect you can have bad days you're gonna have days where um you're gonna fail badly 
Mm-hmm. You're going to have days where you, you're on a, you know, a 30, 40, 50, 60 year long diet plan and you had too much or you fell off. That's okay to fall off, but just come back harder. You know, you're going to fall off. I'm not reading books right now nearly as much as I should, but even talking about it right now, I have to go read when I go home. Yep. I, you have to, you, you have to figure out what's happening. Make it easy on yourself. Yeah. Like find the easiest way possible to do it for just like, well, I think it was Bill Gates. Bill Gates had said he, uh, he would rather hire lazy people because they find the easiest way to do something. Yep. I think that's true. Work smarter, not harder. Yeah, exactly. Innovate your own life, ladies and gentlemen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank y'all so much for tuning into this wonderful podcast. I thank you for participating in this because this is a turning point in the podcast. This is something that um, me moving up to a different city is allowing me to experience different things as well as I am in a one-bedroom apartment. So I have no roommates and I have nothing but free time with myself. (laughs) So you will see a progression within my conversing skills, the way that I see things, as well as um, the way that I conduct things on the show. And I'm really excited to show you all over the next couple of years how I can progress from episode one. Any last words, Greg? Maybe shout your uh, Instagram or anything out like? <laughs> sure. If you guys want to follow my Instagram, uh, it's at gray, G-R-A-Y underscore areas. Um, I'm mainly a nature photographer, a landscape photographer, but uh, I enjoy getting to talk to you. I enjoyed this opportunity. Thanks, Chance, for bringing me on. Yes, sir. My it was pleasure. wonderful conversations, wonderful topics, and I look forward to hopefully the next one and what happens with the future of this podcast. Hell yeah. Appreciate it. By the way, shout out my Instagram at Chance Lesturgeon. Hit it up on the gram. Uh, shout out to San Marcos. The Grove Media is the number one podcast in all of San Marcos. So if you know anybody that is looking for a solid podcast, please let them know who you listen to today at The Grove Media. Y'all have a wonderful day, midday, morning, or night. It's me, Chance, clocking out.